welcome to the Entrepreneurial Coder Podcast. My name is Ryan, and this is the show where I talk to developers, programmers, and coders of all types who are in business for themselves, and I try to figure out how they got to where they are. So if you're a developer who wants to get into business, or if maybe you're already in business and you want to see where to go next, then hopefully this show is of value to you. This is episode seven with Justin Jackson. My guest today is Justin Jackson. Justin is the co-founder of Transistor FM, a podcast hosting and analytics platform. He's worked with SaaS companies since 2008, mostly as a product manager. Justin also runs a community for bootstrappers called Mega Maker. Justin, welcome to the show. Hey, it's so great to be here. Thanks, man. I appreciate you being here. Um, you know, I, I followed your work for, for a number of years now, and I've seen the stuff that you've been doing with Transistor. And I'm, I've got to say, I'm a happy Transistor customer. This is uh, this is my first show. And uh, Transistor was, man, it, I, it's everything that I needed as uh, somebody who didn't know at all what podcasting was really all about getting into, you know, the nitty gritty needing a solution to just get my show out there. So thank you so much for uh, the product that you put together. Um, yeah. it's, it's really been great. Well, thanks for trying it out. It's, it is weird when you build something and you put it out into the world and then real human beings, it's even actually more weird now because you and I can see each other right now. Mm -hmm. And so to, to know that you're building something that, uh, somebody with a real face uses <laughs> <laughs> there are real people behind the uh the the names in the database yeah i mean you can even say like oh i know it's a real human being but to see somebody's face to hear their voice um that's really gratifying for me and yeah it's been really fun to see people launch shows and um yeah it's it, it's weird it's so weird every every single day my co-founder and i we have this one channel called well now we call it billing which is kind of boring but it just shows <laughs> us all of the successful slack charge uh stripe charges sorry gotcha and every single day we're like one of us comments like look at this i just can't believe real people on the internet are paying us to use this <laughs> this is so crazy amazing uh, so yeah, we're, we're really thankful and, um, it's not definitely not an easy, none of this is an easy ride, but it's been really, um, it's worth, it's been worth doing. Like we enjoy it. We enjoy even the struggle and even more so love seeing people like use it to produce their own podcast. That that's kind of like what we're all in it for. So that's yeah. awesome. I'd love to get into maybe what some of those challenges and struggles are, but uh, for those who might be unaware, can you maybe just give some background about what Transistor is and does, kind of what it offers? And then um, I'd love to hear maybe, you know, some of the uh, some of the impetus for you to to get into the podcast space and, and put a product out in this space. Yeah. So Transistor is podcast hosting and analytics in the same way that there is website hosting and analytics. Um, a lot of folks don't realize that podcasts uh, are not hosted by Apple Podcasts or Overcast or Pocket Casts. They're hosted on, you know, private <laughs> private servers. And when someone produces a show, they upload it to that server, and then there's a RSS feed generated, 
And then all of these directories and podcast players, um, they use that RSS feed to fetch new episodes and deliver them to listeners. And so uh, it's been around for a long time. As long as there's been podcasts, people have been hosting audio files and um, uh, yeah, so that that's our business. And it's pretty, in a lot of ways, it's kind of boring. It's not, there's nothing incredibly sexy or, uh, you know, the, the tech that we're building. Uh, there's interesting parts of it, but this is not like groundbreaking, uh, you know, artificial intelligence work or computer vision work or any of that stuff where this is just like storing files on a server, serving them up and, um, you know, offering analytics about where people are, what apps people are using to listen to the shows, where they're, you know, where in the world they're listening from, which are the most popular episodes. Um, so yeah, that's basically our business. And the road to get here, just like anything, is long. It doesn't just happen one day. Um, I started a podcast myself in 2012 called Product People. My friend Kyle Fox, who has, uh, we were both product managers in Edmonton. And we had started getting together because we just didn't know any other product managers. And so we were both new to it and we're trying to figure it out. And then I decided to move to British Columbia. Uh, I live in this little ski town in, in BC. And right around the time I left, he said, you know, maybe you and I should keep doing these conversations, but we should record it like a podcast. And originally we thought it would be for product managers. But then we started it and we were like, no, we don't want to talk to product managers. We want to talk to Jason Freed from 37 Signals and Patio 11 and Rob Walling, all these um, founders, these, uh, you know, uh, bootstrappers, tech entrepreneurs. And so the show morphed into an interview show where we were interviewing all these people and uh, that's kind of where I, that's how I started podcasting myself. That's how I, uh, you know, started kind of, ah, I wouldn't say that's how I fell in love with the medium. I think that happened even earlier, but um, I really could see the power of podcasting when I ran that show. And, uh, you know, for a lot of years, because people knew I had a podcast, they would, developers would approach me and say, hey, I've got a great idea for podcasters. And I would always say, don't build things for podcasters. <laughs> Partly because I just felt like it was a bad market. Um, a lot of hobbyists, a lot of DIYers, even myself, you know, the product people show, we hosted ourselves on AWS. We, you know, we were generating the feed ourselves using WordPress. And, you know, getting people to pay for anything just it, it just seemed like a bad market but uh i mean we can get into this in more detail but long story short you know as the years have progressed i've seen the the podcasting shift i think everyone has and the it, part of the difficulty was teasing apart how much of that is just media attention. You know, uh, the New York Times, it seems, has a new podcasting piece every week right now. <laughs> and sometimes when there's a lot of smoke, you can feel like, oh, there's a big fire there. But 
what I wanted to figure out was now, is there actually a, a good serviceable market here? And what interested me was all of the businesses and organizations and brands and uh, solopreneurs and consultants that were creating podcasts as a part of their business or as a part of their brand or as a part of, you know, something that they were doing there. And so that made me feel like, oh, you know what, if, if businesses are getting into it, there's probably a good market here and there's enough evidence to see, you know, Basecamp has a podcast that I think they're investing 150 grand a year in. I'm just guessing because they have two people working on it. Um, they have podcast hosting space. Uh, they have a studio, you know, I'm guessing it's at least 150, 200 grand a year. That's a fair size investment, you know? And so seeing the evidence of these companies and specifically tech companies starting podcasts made me feel like, oh, I think we could do this. So yeah, that that's kind of what uh, I think pushed us over the edge and made me feel like this is a good idea. And it also helped our first customer was Cards Against Humanity. And they were making a show, a branded show as a kind of a marketing exercise um, where they wanted to just have a show that was all about good news every single day for a full year. So we also knew we had this anchor customer that was a really, really good start and we could probably grow it from there. Yeah, that's a that's a great start as a customer. Um, a very interesting one too, uh, with a, an interesting sounding show. I'll have to check that out. Um, you mentioned uh, that you know you, you were you had seen evidence uh, that businesses were um, getting more and more into podcasting, and you know maybe there's a, a serviceable for serviceable market there. Was there any kind of uh, like you know was there any data that you were hard data that you were crunching before making an actual decision to uh, you know kick it into high gear with Transistor, or was it like you? know it's it's more based on feel you know we feel there's something here let's go ahead or was it kind of like you know uh cold hard data that you were looking at yeah so this is such a hard question because the only kind of cold hard data that matters is you launch something yourself and you see real numbers and uh I mean, I suppose if you could see, you know, if you were privy to other people's launch numbers and other people's data, that would help. But, you know, there's lots of stats out there. You know, Edison Research can tell us every year how many more Americans are listening to podcasts. Uh, we can hear about how effective podcast advertising is. We can anecdotally you know, I knew for myself that when I launched my book, Marketing for Developers, and I polled my customers and said, um, you know, how did you hear about this? 75% of them said, oh, I listened to your podcast. Like that was somewhere down the line, the line, right? And, uh, you know, my, my friend Brian Castle has also said publicly that most of his customers first heard about him or it was at least a meaningful touch point in their journey. And so I had, you know, experiential and there's some uh, other evidence. Um, I like to see people in motion. 
Mm-hmm. And so I could just see, you know, I'd seen this happen over the years, like, oh, there's a lot of interest in podcasting. And there was a lot of interest in podcasting back in 2012. There's like this kind of big wave. But then I saw another big wave right after Startup came out. Mm, right. The uh, Alex Bloomberg's Gimlet podcast, especially from founders and, uh, you know, startup people, tech people uh, who are a big part of our audience. And so, you know, that that movement was interesting. And, you know, I also just see, saw a lot of communications people saying, uh, you know, in conversation, you kind of learn to pick these things up. I think this is going to be uh, something I'll touch on a, a few times is one of the key skills is being able to just keep your ears open mm. and kind of listen for what you hear repeated all the time in coffee shops or in at conferences or in forums or on Twitter. And there was just this increasing kind of evidence that there was a lot of people interested in starting podcasts and specifically, again, companies, brands, influencers, solopreneurs, people with personal brands. Like if you, you know, create courses for a living, you're probably going to have a podcast. So no like hard evidence because the only hard evidence that you'll really matters is what you get when you launch. And then it's incremental, right? Uh, we launched in August and people can look at this right now because our revenue numbers are open. Oh, great. Transistor.baremetrics.com. Uh, Baremetrics, great. And you can, we're not going to do this forever, but I think right now we wanted to kind of give back to folks and 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 share our journey in, uh, in an open and honest way. And if you look at our numbers, if you like click through on monthly recurring revenue, you can see, you know, we've got, we launched in August. That gives us, you know, whatever that is, about eight months of data. That data is interesting, but even that is not enough. We, we haven't, we've proven some things, but still not very much. We won't really know until we're, you know, 12 months in, 24 months in, 36 months in. I think the point is to, Use the the best hunch you have and launch the smallest possible thing and get as much good evidence you can after launch and then incrementally build on that. So if we'd launched in August and had only made one or two sales, I think we would have reconsidered whether we wanted to continue. Um, and actually, we didn't just launch in August. Before that, you'll notice there's some sales in April, May, June. Uh, those were, uh, uh, I guess, beta beta customers, but they were we were charging them. And so we had evidence even before we launched that this was worth pursuing. Excellent. Uh, this is very interesting to look at. I, I, I didn't realize you were up on bare metrics. So, um, you know, as, as someone who is in the community of people who likes to look at this stuff, thank you very much for putting this up. This is, uh, this is great. Yeah. Um, we, we still think about it too. Like there's, 
you know, I always admired people that did this and thought, oh, one day I'm going to do this. But there is part of this that is uh, not scary, but there's there's pros and cons, you know, like our our competitors can definitely look at this. And you also just open yourself up to one of the the, the challenges of being uh, a known person or a startup, like people know who you are and know that you're on this journey is that it invites their commentary and their input and all those things. This is an advantage and a disadvantage um, because sometimes people have, you know, they really press into you and go, well, why aren't you doing this? Or, you know, you're, I don't know, your average revenue per user is so low. What are you thinking? And, um, wow. and is that, grow- is that something you've experienced at this point is people oh, sort of, Oh yeah, for sure. And yeah. again, it doesn't, it's not a huge deal because I think if you're going to be transparent, that's the trade off. And on the flip side, we've gotten, you know, um, it increases your network in the sense that when you need help, people are invested in your story with you. And, um, you know, we've had tons of people help us along the way that we wouldn't have normally had. And, um, so, you know, there's both the good and the bad and we're willing to take the, the bad, uh, you know, with the good. But, um, I, I think it's just interesting you know, everybody has these thoughts before they launch their thing. Like, oh, when I do it, I'm going to do it this way. And when I do it, I'm going to be an open, transparent startup and I'm going to share my revenue and share my journey. But then when you're actually in it, it's different. It's, yeah. it's uh, it, 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 the, the ramifications of all that stuff becomes clear. And yeah. uh, I think you know, that's the point where that we're at right now. It's, it's all kind of fun. It's like Christmas. It's like really fun anticipating, you know, this life and wishing for it and dreaming about it. And then when it comes, it's kind of like you open your gifts and you're like, Oh, okay, well, I guess this is it. You know, I, I, I'm in it now. I, uh, and, um, yeah. So the, the realness of it is, is what's different now uh, there's still great things about it, you know, about the journey and about the transparency and about where we're at, but, uh, that there, there's something about having it being real and present that really changes things from, you know, before, as we're leading up to launch, it's all like, huh, I wonder, you can listen to this on our podcast, you know, we're leading up to launch and, what we were talking about back then just seems so naive, you know, compared to now where, uh, like our, our most recent episode, I think it's called worst day ever. And, uh, it's just on Sunday we had an out, our first outage uh, and okay. it's just us going through that and going, Oh man, that was a hard day. And, uh, again, you know, people could listen to that episode and go, oh, you did all this wrong and I would have done this. And 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 now I'm just like, I feel like an old grandpa on the porch going, I know, I know. You're, <laughs> yeah. It's totally different when you're not on the sidelines. Like when you're driving that Formula One race car and you're in those turns and you're, you know, it, it's, it changes everything. And all those 
all that kind of uh, sideline commentary and coaching that I was giving before, <laughs> just it's, it 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 it's different when you're in the driver's seat. Yeah, armchair quarterbacking is a far different thing than actually quarterbacking, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, and and again, like it, there's advantages of people. Um, sometimes people's input is invaluable. So, you know, it, it, again, you got to kind of take the good with the bad. Absolutely. Um, you know, we've touched on a few things about, uh, you know, maybe some challenges that have come up. You had your first outage and, and there, uh, you know, there are people sort of telling you their own thoughts and interpretations about your numbers and that what else is, what else is it that's hard at this stage in, in the startup that you've got? What's, you know, what keeps you up at night? If anything does, I, I hope that it doesn't. I hope you sleep well. But uh, if yeah. there's anything that keeps you up, if there's anything that really stresses you, out, what is what are some of those hard parts right now running a running a SaaS business? Um, I mean, one thing, and I've written quite a bit about this. It's interesting, actually, to to when to write things down or record a podcast when you're in it, like when you're experiencing it, because. I really have this kind of record of the ups and downs now. Um, so one of the things I was really struggling with and, and could definitely become a struggle again is we are in the we are in the here but not yet, meaning we're bootstrapping this thing. It has almost ten thousand dollars a month in monthly recurring revenue, but it's still not paying our bills. And the the that that in between where you are stretched between two realities, you know, my old reality, which is running my own business and my co-founder's old reality or current reality, which is working full time. And then this future reality that you're hoping for and that you're moving towards, which is, you know, this is paying, we, we earn our, our personal income from this company. We are in the middle and that part can be really stressful sometimes. And I think the, the nuance of that is you miss that when you're reading all these startup stories, you know, like they could say, even if they had a line that said, you know, we were building this and between for those two years, it was a struggle. Even that doesn't quite encompass what it's like to be in it and be going, Oh man, like this money thing stressing me out and then have, and the, um, you know, like back in October, November, uh, I just kind of started flailing in terms of like, Oh, I got to make some money. So I was just like trying to quickly roll things up, um, and get them going so I could make some money and go back and focus on transistor. And that's also when you'll notice there was an uptick in me, my interest in uh, some of these new bootstrapped funds at the time, right? I was talking to Ernest Capital and Tiny Seed and, you know, all of these folks uh, because there's some desperation there, right? And I think, yeah, the nuance of that gets missed. Um, it is it is hard uh, depending on your situation. Uh, and even like, you know, Jason Freed and David Hanemeyer Hansen were both single and young when they were building Basecamp. And I don't mean to be uh, cynical about that. I think that's great. But to recognize that, man, John and I are both almost 40 years old. We both have mortgages. Uh, I have 
a family. I have four kids. We are in a much different space than those guys. <laughs> and that, that changes everything. And it's not enough. It, it's not, you know, there's part of me that really wants to be kind of like this, this noble heroic, heroic bootstrapper that has it all together and is, you know, just figuring things out. But the reality is quite a bit different. It's just like, there's times where it's a real struggle. So I, I think that's been a big one um, on my side. And, you know, recently Mega Maker, uh, this community for bootstrappers has just been doing really well. It's been doing enough um, uh, income every month that I've been able to focus about 80% of my time on Transistor. But you know, as that slows down and it's starting to slow down again now. Yeah. Like my numbers lately, I'm starting to work, starting to get me worried again. Um, you know, if, if they slow down again, I'll be stressed again. Right. 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 That makes sense. Um, so the regarding numbers, I suppose that are coming in for transistor are, you know, is part of the issue because, because, you know, 10 grand a month isn't necessarily anything to shake a stick at, right? Like that's a, that's a decent amount of money that's coming in. Um, it sounds, it sounds like it's, you know, the problem more or less is that it's not enough to replace maybe like a salary that would be necessary for, for the two of you. Is that, is that kind of the, the issue or is there, are there maybe costs associated with the business that, uh, oh, are yeah. covered by yeah. the amount that's coming in or how does that shake out? Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, there's a few things there. Uh, I mean, on one hand, um, what, I mean, at least what I need, I, I can't, I, I shouldn't really speak for John, but in terms of what I need, like if you, there's a great, um, I wrote about this too, but there's a great, uh, online family income calculator. That's, uh, someone in the state, uh, organization, the state's put out and you can see the costs basically they say here are the minimal costs for families and depending on size and if you go up to four kids and man like it's it's like exponentially more expensive and so you know a a, a reasonable baseline for me is about $10,000 a month in gross personal income per month and um, you know, just so to get there, you got to think, you know, we're going to, we're going to have costs, which I can go into in a bit. And then for John on his side, uh, he's in the States and has very generous health coverage with his employer. So that's kind of like having four kids, even he's a single guy, but you know, so I, I think for both of us, we're like, it's going to be probably about 10k per month per founder for us to just get to kind of a baseline and um and then there are other costs so we just talked about this as well um one of the ways we've been able to grow as fast as we have is that we have an affiliate program that pays um anyone who refers us on a professional basis um gets a commission of 25% of ongoing revenue and so 29% of our total revenue has come from affiliates. And so you take that 29% and then you multiply that 29% by 25%. And that's how much we had to give to affiliates. So uh, 
I could probably find the numbers. We're we're using a company called Rewardful for that, and um, I could probably tell you what we've paid out so far. But you know, it's it's uh, it ends up being a, a, a chunk of that money, and then we have. AWS costs, we have bandwidth costs, we have, you know, all the other things. So I think, you know, again, we, we're still figuring out all of our numbers. I think Transistor is going to be a nice little profitable business. Um, and uh, we're, you know, that's what we're aiming for. But I think, you know, maybe, I don't know, it, just roughly right now, what we're going to probably implement pretty soon is uh, something I learned from a book called Profit First. I don't, have you heard of that book? I have not, but I will certainly check it out. Yeah, I, I recommend it for anybody thinking about getting into business. It Basically, the idea is most businesses, most small businesses in North America are not profitable. Most of them lose money. Um, and actually, most small businesses are in quite a bit of debt, statistically. And so his mantra is, instead of... Um, paying yourself at the end of each month after you've paid all your expenses, pay yourself first. So you get a $1,000 Stripe deposit from that deposit. And these are just rough percentages, but um, 5% goes to a profit account right away. 15% goes to a tax income tax account right away. 50% um, goes to your personal salary, and then uh, the rest goes to expenses. And what it forces you to do is minimize those other expenses so that the things that matter, like you have to pay your taxes every year, you want, ha you want to ha be getting profit. You don't want to be just earning um, what you could be earning at a job. You want more than that. And um, so take all that first. So that's our next step is we're going to start taking you know, every time we get a deposit, we're going to say, okay, well, what's 50% of that? And then we'll divide it by two and just split it. One, one half goes to John, one half goes to me. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what that ends up being. It might be, I don't know, you, you know, uh, if, if we're making, you know, $10,000 gross a month, that would be, you know, $5,000 is 50% of that. And then $2,500 goes to John, 2,500 goes to me. So, the nice thing is that we're getting there. Like, yeah, we're at the point now where we could start paying ourselves something. And I think we do want to get in the habit of doing that. Um, but it's still, and it, you know, $2,500 is nothing to sneeze at. That's great. Um, but I, I think we're just getting to that stage now. Uh, and, and we're really, you know, I just over a year in from when we signed our partnership agreement. Right. Gotcha. Um, Man, yeah, that's that's cool. Profit first. I will I will take a look at that. That it, it's not too dissimilar. The idea there from you know the idea of just on on your personal finances, paying yourself first, right? As mm -hmm. as the best way to save, as as you know, some of the best. Uh, I think the best sort of financial advice that that people can hear is like take take that ten percent, fifteen, whatever off the top of your paycheck before you pay anything else out. Yeah, and put that in a savings account. That's the best really and only way that you're going to save long term. So it sounds like it's a similar idea. Yeah, it is. And and you know, that has been actually um one of my uh disadvantages, faults, whatever, is that um I haven't been a very good saver. And so 
uh, John, my partner, he has he has quite a bit saved up. He has at least a year's worth of personal expenses saved up. Uh, ben Ornstein, my friend who's uh, bootstrapping Tuple, um, he had a bunch of money saved up, and they were doing exactly that. They were taking ten percent, setting it aside, and um, that really helps if you're thinking about bootstrapping to have to know that you've got a year a year's runway because what will kill you is this stress the uh yeah the stress the stress i guess in this case is is m- mostly i would think like the worry about income not coming in when it's got to right especially in a situation like yours you know uh you've got four kids that you've got to feed mm-hmm. uh that's a that's a yeah. that's a big deal yeah. And so my advantage though, is that I cut the cord quite a while ago. So once I wrote marketing for developers and I had about six months worth of, um, living expenses saved up, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to quit my job. And I did that in 2016. And so once you've done that, um, I'm not saying I would never go back to paid employment, but you, you just, the, the flexibility and freedom that you get from that, it's hard to go back to anything else. And you just become very committed to, I'm going to do the, do whatever it takes to make this work. Uh, but John, on the other hand, if you listen to our show, you can definitely hear, you know, he's got some anxiety about quitting his job. And, um, which is completely understandable. I, I had that too, but once you get over that, it's, it, it, I'm not saying it's easy cause there it can be some, a lot of stress, but there's this feeling of like, okay, I've already done that. I've already, right. you know, pulled my parachute. Like I'm, I'm out here and, um, uh, it gives you kind of a different standpoint where it, as opposed to being in a position of relative safety, I I definitely don't advocate just quitting your job and going and starting something. I think there's smart ways to do that. I think starting something on the side, I think, you know, um, the other thing we haven't really talked about is that I think every successful entrepreneur I know, they've done years of groundwork that have brought them to this point. Mm Mm-hmm. That's and, a really interesting point. I think it's the the build up. Sorry to interrupt there, but no, it's, it's the, the 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 build up to um, doing something in business. Um, sh- I think should be lengthy. Uh, the groundwork that you, that you put in. I, I you know I I often had this sort of conception. I, I suppose years ago that you know I want to do something in business and why don't I just do something like, you know, just get started doing something. I'm seeing people everywhere that are just, you know, putting up a brand new blog and maybe they've got a couple posts and all of a sudden they're able to, to sell something, um, for an amount of money that isn't insignificant. Right. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I fumbled a bit with that, um, early on and, and, you know, I put out, you know, like some, some, uh, tutorials and some courses on places like Udemy and made, you know, a little bit of money, but yeah. it, it's not until I, I think this point, uh, and maybe say, let's say the last year, cause it's, it's been just over a year now that I've been in business for myself more or less. I, I, I've sort of, I quit my full-time job back in fall of 2017. Okay. Yeah. And so I've been on my own 
you know, since then, it's not until this point where there's a whole bunch of groundwork that has led up to this that I think is like, you know, it's it's actually able to be something significant now. Yeah. Um, there's that that groundwork. So what I, I'd be really curious to hear from you is like on your side, what was that groundwork? What was uh, in your case, particularly, what was some of the stuff that you were doing to build up to where you're at now? Yeah, I mean, I think some of it is just where your passions have already kind of intuitively led you to. So the other thing I say is, again, everyone's journey is just your journey. You can't. But as an example, you know, I've loved talk radio my whole life. I I've I can remember, you know, listening to CBC radio with my dad in his truck and just loving, you know, political talk radio and listening to the news and listening to audio documentaries. And, you know, I would, when I was in high school and I, if I was driving in my car alone, I would turn off the radio and pretend I was hosting the show, you know, that's groundwork. That's, that's a, a thing that I was intuitively drawn to. That's kind of a thread through my whole life. And, but then there's also just the act of doing things and putting them out into the world. So you doing that Udemy thing, I think is still significant because it's something small and practical. It's a way of you doing something, right? And it, the more of those things that you do in a, a direction, those create kind of layers of expertise and it's like a platform that you're building to get to the next level. And, you know, for me that in recent years, it looks like starting a blog in 2008 and really it not going anywhere and it being very kind of like all over the place. But then starting this podcast in 2012 and why, you know, why did Kyle reach out to me? Well, because I was blogging about some product stuff. And so he read it. And so then he wanted to reach out to me. And then, you know, we connected. And then we started this podcast together. And then we saw that it resonated. And then, you know, I started to um, speak more and write more and do more in that space. And then that led to you know, meeting people like Nathan Barry and then seeing, oh, wow, he launched a course. Maybe I should do that. And then I launched a little one and then a bigger one and a bigger one. And then, you know, I was able to quit. Um, and also actually the, in the, in this time, the podcast, uh, you know, I was working as a product manager in Edmonton, but then I wanted to level up and get some more space to do the other thing. And then because I had a podcast, Sprintly, um, which was in Portland, reached out to me, asked if I could come work for them. So I would, you know, all of these things happen, but the, so to really, for me, the groundwork is two things. It is producing work and putting it out in public and it is making connections with other people. Those two things always seem, you know, I've interviewed tons of people on product people Every time I talk to folks, I'm like, you know, what made the difference? And if you listen between the lines, it's almost always like, oh, yeah. So then I got introduced to Heaton Shaw and then Heaton told me I should really focus on this. And I did it and it really helped. The, the pivotal moments of people's journeys all have to do with relationships, human connection 
and doing things, trying things, um, putting things out there, uh, failing at some things, uh, pushing on this thing forever and it never working. And then all of a sudden it works. Um, it's, it's like a continuous struggle. I, I love, uh, Josh Pigford, uh, the founder of, uh, bear metrics. He has a, a tweet and a, a blog post where he, he lists out, I think it's like the, the 72 projects he's tried and companies he's tried. Oh yeah. Life. Yeah. I saw that. That was great. And, and it's, it's a, yeah, he put out a spreadsheet, uh, listing everything that he's, yeah. he's done and they, what its status basically. Yeah. And I think he actually now he's got it form kind of formatted on his, on his blog. Um, and I, yeah, I, yeah. Past projects, joshpigford.com slash projects. And we'll link that up in the show notes. Yeah. He's just, you know, all starting in 2003, all the things he, you know, started and shut down, like there's tons of things that he shut down and, you know, those have all led him to where he's at now, which is bare metrics, which is probably his, his most successful quote unquote thing. But you, when you see the actual path that it took to get there, wow, you know, it, it, it requires uh, a years and years of journey and all of that stuff he did before was laying the groundwork for what he is doing now. The difference, I think that the, the folks that struggle are the folks that don't do anything. They're, they're not trying anything. They're not trying, you know, if all you do is go to work and get in your car and listen to a podcast get to work, work all day, get back in your car, listen to a podcast and go home. Um, that's not enough. You, you really do need to do something else. And, um, it, it, that something else could just be meeting more people, going to meetups, uh, connecting with folks through work. I got some flack on this on Twitter. Cause I, I have this tweet that just says, um, a bunch of ways to grow professionally. It's like podcast, start a blog, do some networking, learn more programming. Um, you know, uh, create an event, host an event, it, all these kinds of ideas. And some people said, well, you know, we're already being forced to do so much extra work and extra hustle. You know, maybe people should just relax more. And there is wisdom to that. Like there's tension between all of these ideas. On one hand, yes, you you don't want to come home from work every day and then work another eight hours. Like that would that can crush you. But on the other hand, if you don't do anything extra or unique or interesting, if you're not trying to make connections with interesting people it's going to be really difficult for you to make progress because I've been doing this for years and I'm not even that good at it, you know, but I've been doing this for years and, you know, now, um, you know, one of the places you have leverage is who knows you and who, you know, mm -hmm. and it, it's, if you haven't been working on that piece, um, it's going to be difficult, right? Just because so many people seem to make progress along that vector, like who knew, mm -hmm. who you know, and who knows you. And then there's also this other vector of what have you tried? What have you built? What have you made? 
What have you written? What have you um, put out into the world? And uh, there's, I, I can't think of any examples of people who have been successful in business that just woke up one day, you know, like a spring chicken and were just like, okay, I'm going to start a business. And then it was instantly successful. It's, it's statistically possible, but just more, much more unlikely. Um, you know, Jason Fried made software when he was in grade school and had people mailing him $20 checks. There is a process, a journey that brought him where he is today. And he's been practicing this art of selling things, making things and selling things since he was a kid, right? Yeah, he's got a lot of experience there. And so, so some of that can be discouraging because I know that it's the same feeling of like, oh man, well, I haven't started, so I might as well not start. But that's the, that's the lie mm. is that you can start. You can just start now. If you start now and if you started small and you said, okay, all I'm going to do is I'm just going to, you know, blog today and blog tomorrow and blog the next day. Well, if you keep doing that for weeks and weeks, you're going to have a bunch of blog posts, right? And if you said, you know, okay, I'm going to work on my side project today. I'm going to write a bunch of code and then I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to do it. These are all things that build on each other. And it's actually amazing how much progress you can make by just starting now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's incredible. The, the effect it has cumulatively over time, you know, these, these kind of these bricks that we stack, you know, as yeah. it were really, really add up to something significant. And there's what you, what you mentioned there, but you know, those, those two kind of vectors, right. The, the creation aspect and then the relationship aspect, I think those are spot on. Yeah. I remember reading something that really got me kind of kicked into gear, I guess years ago now was something that Nathan Barry uh, wrote, which was, you know, if you want to do something here, you've got to change your mindset uh, away from just being a consumer of content to mm -hmm. being a creator of content, right? Yeah. Because most of us are just consumers of content. But if you really want to do something, you you need to shift gears. You need to really get into a different mental kind of model where you're a, a content creator instead. And you know, it's not so easy to to just flip a switch and, and be one, but these incremental steps of practice really do uh really do add up. Yeah. I and it doesn't have to be just content either. It it could just be your working on a little project mm -hmm. like um, Screely.com. This little app that I use every single day that just makes your screenshots look like nice website mockups. Cool. What an incredible little product. And uh, I don't think he's making very much money on it, but it is something real that he put out into the world that yeah. reinforced this is the other thing is if you haven't read Atomic Habits yet, um, a lot of what I'm saying is coming from James Clear. The things that we continuously do reinforce this identity about ourselves. And so, mm. you know, once you've made something and put it out in public, if you made a little product and put it out in public, you can say, oh, I'm the kind of person who can make a product and put it out in public mm -hmm. and have people use it. Um, 
And you might start super small, but then you're reinforcing this identity about yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's the key. The key is, I think, uh, I would just say, I would say you can't just be a consumer. You have to be a maker. Like you have to make Mm. things uh, if you want, if you want to make the kind of progress as a, a, in business anyway, right? or at the very least you need to make connections, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like you, theoretically you could start a great consulting business where all you've done is make connections. You just know mm. a lot of people or a lot of people know you. Yeah, absolutely. That's great, man. Well, listen, I, I know you've got to get running. Um, Man, thanks so much for for being on the show today. It's been a real pleasure talking to you and hearing your story. Um, I think I think hearing your story where it's at right now is super important because so often we just hear the stories when you know the finish line, as it were, uh, yeah. it has been crossed, right? And so, yeah, thank you for for just being so open about where things are at with Transistor and sharing the challenges and sharing your numbers and stuff, man. I, you know, the the community, those of us who are who are doing the same thing and want to do the same thing that you're doing, uh, I know we just all appreciate it so much. So thank you so much for for putting all this out there. Cool. Well, yeah. It's nice to hear that, and this this went this time went by really fast. So it was, yeah, it was yeah. really great to talk to you. Well, man, hopefully we can do a round two uh, at some point. Anything you want to just mention before we wrap up? Maybe also where we can get in touch with you. What's the best place to to say hi? Yeah, uh, I write almost every week at justinjackson.ca. Um, the podcast I do with my partner John Buddha is called Build Your SaaS, and I'm on Twitter. I'm M I Justin, the letter M, the letter I Justin. Excellent. I will link all of that up and uh, yeah, thanks again, man, for being on the show and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks. for tuning into the Entrepreneurial Coder podcast today. You can find links to all the resources that Justin mentioned at ecpodcast.io. If you've got any feedback about the show, if you'd like to suggest a future guest, or if you just want to say hi, I'd love to hear from you. You can say hi on Twitter at twitter.com slash coder podcast. And if you like the show and you feel so inclined, it would be great if you could leave a review and subscribe. And if not, no hard feelings. Until next time, happy hacking. Happy hacking.